Was Captain Planet on the Amiga as bad as you remember? Find out on this week's episode of Amigos. Amiga, the first personal computer that gives you a creative edge. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to be talking about Captain Planet. Aaron, who is your favorite captain? Um, well, you got the cap- me, Captain and Tennille. Yeah, you know, Muskrat Love. You know what I love about Captain and Tennille? No one talks about those guys anymore. It was a guy to check. Mm-hmm. You know, the captain had problems. And he would actually, you know, he always dressed like a captain. Remember the captain's right. hat? Hold on, Judge. He wouldn't take that cap off ever. He wore it to parties. He wore it to bed. Everywhere. Wow. The guy was bald. So, secretly, mm. he was a bald brother. Now, he had other issues. Captain Etienne broke up. She wrote a tell-all book. But she was his best friend. I always liked this. So, he's right up there. Captain of Captain Etienne. Do you know, are either of those still with us today? Uh, the captain folks? has passed, I'm afraid. But Tennille is still around. Tennille lives on. And yeah. then you got Captain Kangaroo. I always liked mm-hmm. him back when I was a you kid. You are old enough to appreciate Captain Kangaroo. Take off. He was awesome. You can see him in reruns. He was. He had uh, the bunny rabbit, the ping pong balls, Mr. Moose, the whole nine yards, Mr. Mr. Green, Green Jeans. Jeans. So you know some of the stuff about the, yeah. him. Then you got Captain America. You gotta love mm-hmm. him, America. Those is Shield. Uh, so I, those are some good ones. What do you got? Oh, the, for me the answer is clear. There's only one captain in my heart, and that's Captain Lou Albano, baby. <laughs> what do you know about Captain Lou? Aside Captain from Lou Albano. Listen, I know that he had a full and illustrious career in the dark arts, but I'll always remember him as being Mario on the Super Mario Brothers Super Show and doing an awesome rap at the beginning. He Nobody had, could rap like Captain Lou. He had a he had a career in, in the dark art of boozing. That's what he had a career in. He had rubber bands on his face, it was attached. He was out of his mind. He was now he was. He was actually a professional wrestler of some renown, right? He was a wrestler uh, way back, but he, mostly he's known for his management skills. Mm. When he was manager, though, you would come out at the matches with the wrestler, and then you would leave. <laughs> so oh, it was a wow. pretty good gig back in those days. And yeah. you cut promos and stuff. Uh, but I will tell you, the one captain that doesn't come to mind is Captain Planet. I will say that. <laughs> he does not leap forward in my captain in my mind. That's not he's, what I he's, want. He's not in the top five. Is what no, you're no, he's not. When you're 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 behind captain for Captain Tanil, you're way back there. <laughs> well, we're going to get into Captain Planet in just a little bit, Aaron. But first, let's dive right into this week's Amiga news. Amiga news. Aaron, right out of the gate, we have a new edition of your favorite Amiga show and mine, Anthony Jarvis's own The Amiga Show. It's back for its fourth episode, Aaron. This month, uh, Anthony is checking out February of 1986 in The Amiga World. So if you guys are listening to this show and you have not yet watched The Amiga Show, you need to check this thing out. This is the only YouTube program about the Amiga that's made entirely on original hardware. Uh, every month, Anthony takes us through uh, the magazines of the day, different uh, software that was coming out on the Amiga. But this month, he's kind of branching out a little bit, and he's talking to some different people about their experiences with the Amiga. He talks yeah. 
to uh, Greg Johnson and Pixel Vixen. He has short interviews with them, as well as uh, a deeper look at Deluxe Paint and what a sea change in graphics that brought to the industry. But that's not all. Uh, uh, the show features another special guest, one Amigo Aaron. Why don't you tell me about how that went down, Aaron? <clears throat> well, <laughs> it's funny you should ask. Uh, um, Anthony sent me a note asking me if I could provide some commentary for some basketball. All right. I'm a big basketball guy, but I was like, well, I guess I'll give it a shot. And I was trying, so I didn't know what that meant. I mean, I, I guess funny commentary. And so he provided me a couple clips of him getting creamed by the computer in various basketball games. And so I thought, well, I'll just record a couple funny bits, and that'll be quick. And it took me about 18 million hours to come up with the, the C-grade material through, that you heard. I went through <laughs> this thing, and Aaron, I know you're good on the stick. But uh, but I had a feeling that this was not a one take and done situation because <laughs> if it was, you're freaking Bob Costas, man. <laughs> well, it, it, I mean, I did it in a take, and on a, I mean, it was one take each on the on, on the different games, but it wasn't the first take. I'll tell you that. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, here's the you know, I you know I don't know these people. It's hard to be a first of all. I'm not a funny guy. Like, I'm just some schmuck. Okay, so there's that. So first of all, just trying to be amusing or entertaining. Clearly, if you watch this show, not my bag. Okay. And secondly, trying to do commentary over a game is hard because it's not like a real basketball game where there's stuff going on. It's just like a bag. It's like highlights, continual highlights, and they're not that high, not so spectacular. Right. The highlights and aren't that high. I, I kid you not. I never thought it would be so hard to put together four minutes of video footage. And plus, you're going to sync everything up with what's going on the screen. So if you're going along at a good clip and you blow something, you got to start all over. So I saw these clips about four million times yeah. in, 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 in the couple of evenings it took me to do these. So, yeah, it was, I mean, it was eye-opening and challenging. But I would say, like I said, at best, this was C or D-grade material. Henny Youngman spinning at his grave at the, at the crap I was trying to pull. But, you know, I will say, uh, he got killed at one-on-one worse than anyone I've ever seen get killed. Because <laughs> Dr. J flipped the scoreboard. So the wow. final score is like 140-something to like 50. I mean, which is a killing. <laughs> so, there you go. But, yeah, it was a great show. You know, it's just yeah. a great show. Absolutely. All right. And speaking of great new Amiga Media coming out. Issue three of Amiga Magazine, Aaron, has recently dropped. Uh, I, I We neglected to cover issue two of Amiga Magazine. They're turning out these things so quickly, Aaron. Yeah. Uh, the, the, it, this thing has taken off, I'm sure, wa- uh, much beyond anybody's wildest dreams. Uh, this uh, this featured issue features uh, their, the Amiga show himself. Uh, Anthony has a little part in there. I review Transarctica in this issue, and of course, you've got the regular cast of characters out there. Oh man, my! Uh, I'm one of the thumbnails in this issue. Yeah, so that's that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I had a I had a thumb through this in virtual format. We're still waiting on our uh, physical issues to arrive in yeah. the mail. I will say they've uh, but, been very they the the guys over there have been uh, very uh, proactive in trying to figure out where the heck our copies went to the point where they've actually went and sent us new copies so i appreciate yeah. that so they're yeah, on it yeah. so, listen no one mailing stuff right now you can't blame nobody for nothing because it's crazy time all the time in our mail so and let me let go. me tell you something uh, we've reviewed quite a few of these you know kind of uh independent publishing efforts at the amiga or various computers 
I'll say out of all of them, you know, it's easy to find people that can write okay. It's hard to find somebody that really knows how to do magazine layout well. And the way that these pages are structured, the way that the images are balanced with the text, the font that they use, everything is ultra, ultra readable. Um, this is going to be my pick. You know, if you're going to subscribe to a newish, uh, you know, currently running retro computing magazine, you can you can't do any better than a me addict. It's, it's just a great it's a great read. It's pleasant to look at. I'm really looking forward to paging through the physical copy when it yeah. when it arrives on our shores here in West Virginia. That is the funny thing. I've I have they they were very nice and sent me some like courtesy FP uh, F uh, PDFs of these. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I and I vote, but I wanted to read it, so I only casually glanced at it. And by the way, that's something else I'll touch on. I was going to write a little uh, an article for one of these, you know. So I sat down like King Dong to write. And I, here's something else: I'm I'm a grade D writer too, boat. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I could I could I mean I just wrote my entries in Crayola, so they're still <laughs> they were. Ne- I never submitted those. They were not. I'm not a writer. I'm not. I don't know what I'm here really. I'm more of like a the human anchor here, but I'm just keeping you on the ground, my friend. <laughs> well, uh, if you do feel froggy, I'm sure they'd love to have a, an Amigo Aaron exclusive. Oh, well, and yeah. uh, I'm sure Amiga Attic Magazine is going to be producing issues long, yeah. long into the future. So yeah. bravo to uh, Jonah, bravo to Pixels at Dawn, Anthony, all Ravi. Yeah, I mean, pretty much everybody that we're involved with is part of this magazine. I think so. it's great. I just think yeah. it, I, I was talking to Pixels last week about it, or a couple weeks ago, and it just, it's gratifying and glorious to see the success this magazine's had. It's, it's truly a labor of love. Yes, absolutely. Speaking of a labor of love, Aaron, there is a new addition, uh, a new episode of the Amiga Ireland podcast. Uh, these guys are back, and the, you know, the Amiga Ireland is a, is a much different show than Amiga's. You you definitely got room for more than one Amiga podcast in your life. <laughs> yeah, we're full of you know wacky antics and little to no substantial content. Versus the Amiga Ireland guys are all about the quality content. They're talking about hard hitting news stories about productivity apps and hardware. All kinds of stuff like that. Um, so, you know, if you haven't checked these guys out, this game or this issue, this edition of the uh, of the Amiga Ireland podcast just dropped on March fourth, just yesterday. So, uh, it's called "How Do They Do That?" Check it out. Yeah, look at all that content. My God, they yeah. really get after it. Cool picture, by the way. I love that. Yeah, that was a. Uh, you know who did that? Was I think that was uh, Amiga Love. Wasn't Amiga it? Love. That's right. He's quite the artist. This quite guy, the artist see, and quite the gentleman. He's he's super multi talented, but yeah. I'm yeah. so jealous. Now, speaking of multi-talented, Aaron, there is a new charity record that's coming out. You know, the retro computer museums have really hit hard times in the UK. Yeah. Um, we, You know, Neil and I were talking about on This Week in Retro, we were talking about if, if there's a light at the end of the, this, this, you know, lockdown tunnel. Because uh, there are already some plans for different you know, retro computer museums opening back up in the UK. And uh, as a fundraiser to kind of get these guys back on their feet, there is a new CD called a Blank Canvas Charity Album, okay? And uh, what this is, is you're going to have tons and tons of, uh, and I see it looks like 8-Bit Weapon, Alistair Brimble, uh, Chris Abbott, Cold Storage. I'm just scrolling through tons and tons. Rob Hubbard. Well, a Bad lot of the Mojo. Yeah. I even I've heard of them. <laughs> big names. They are, uh, uh, they are contributing tracks to the CD. You can buy it and you can help 
the Retro Computer Museum over in Leicestershire. Uh, I know that's that's local yeah. to many of our people over in the UK. I think uh, both Chris Folds and Pixels at Dawn are in the area there. So uh, definitely, you know, check this out. This is blankcanvascharity.uk. You can buy a CD full of original music from some of the most iconic 16-bit composers and support the uh, Retro Computer Museum over in Leicestershire. A very good a very good cause, and uh, we want to get these guys back on their feet so they can uh, reopen and, and, and survive into the future. All right, Aaron. Our next story comes to us from our new Amiga Hardware Pick of the Week, sponsored by RetroRewind.ca. This thing is the A600 and 1200 microSD2 IDE adapter. Now, Aaron, what can you tell us about this particular product? Well, you know, these things are great. In fact, <laughs> I'm, d I'm dying for one of these back when I, when I first got into the Amigas again with the Compact Flash. Because the way it, this used to work was you'd get the uh, Compact Flash to IDE gimmick, and then you'd put your Compact Flash in there. Compact Flash is expensive, it's big, and it's generally goofy. When you've got mm. 4 million microSD cards lying around, the last thing you want to do is break out the Compact Flash. Uh, this thing clearly designed for the purpose. Uh, you'll recall that in many of the uh, uh, compact flash setups I've put together, I've wrapped these suckers in uh, electrical tape to keep them from shorting. Uh, this one stands up nicely. It looks good. Uh, I like it. It's a great idea. And, and by the time you ended up getting all the stuff you need before, you ended up paying a little bit more than this one. So the price comes in about right, too, Boat. Yeah, 40 bucks. Heck of a deal. Uh, one thing that we should also mention is that it, uh, this thing... Uh, it corrects all the signals that cause that LED always on issue you get when you're running a, a compact flash adapter. Yeah. Uh, so the the hard drive LED acts as it should. It illuminates with the hard drive activity instead of just remaining on all the time. So that's yeah. just another added bonus. It's a good uh, idea. We, yeah, yeah. And uh, we want to offer all of our Amigos listeners a special deal on this item and pretty much everything on the Retro Rewind store. If you use the code Amigos Rock when you check out, you can save 10% off this and any item in the store. So uh, head on over to RetroRewind.ca, check out this micro SD to IDE adapter, and use the code Amigos Rock to save 10%. Thanks to Retro Rewind for sponsoring this episode of Amigos. Thank now, you, Aaron. It's time to talk Captain Planet. <laughs> We've been putting it off, haven't we? Let's get to it. Too long. Too long. <laughs> so, uh, now, Boat, I always ask, had you played this one before this week? Never. Well, <laughs> I, I knew the legend of this one before we played it. Uh, <clears throat> Captain Planet and the Planeteers uh, was released on the Amiga in 91. The screen says 90, but everything I read says it came out in 91. Uh, it was it was uh, published by Mindscape. Mindscape's done a ton of games. Uh, yeah. Now it's funny. Every, everywhere I looked had the developer of this as unknown. So I'm, I'm assuming this was some sort of in-house gimmick, or, or I'm not exactly sure how they handled no, it. Nobody wants to take credit for it. Yeah, no the kidding, issue. eh? Uh, the uh, the uh, it was coded by a guy named uh, Anthony uh, Crowther, and it was, the graphics were done by a guy named Jason Kingsley. Uh, and music was also done by a Anthony Crowther, so he was a he was a uh, double-edged sword here. He did the music and the coding on this bad boy. Uh, I looked at what he'd done to see if it was anything we'd heard of. I don't remember. I don't think we've ever done any of his stuff. He did a game called Bombuze, Captive Nightmare Liberation, 
Captive 2 and Phobia. I don't remember any of those that are... Uh, we, we, we haven't covered them on the show, but Captive Liberation 2 yeah. is the only game I've ever played in my life where I have a complete boxed copy oh, with yeah. the manual, and I still had no idea what I was oh, doing. Oh, that's that one. Yeah. Because yeah. that's... Uh, uh, we were supposed Very to do that highly on the rated show. Game. Yeah. People love it, but I've offered many times, I said, you know, I've, I've offered cash rewards for people to make a video that explains how to play the game. Nobody's taking me up right. on it. Right. Now, before we get into the game proper, I want to talk a little bit about the, the, the actual basis of the game, uh, which is Captain Planet and the Planeteers. Now, I'm assuming, Boat, uh, that, that this, since this was included... Uh, in, in the UK pack, there's some UK. I'm assuming that this show played in the UK somewhere. Uh, I would think Planet. so. I would think so. So, uh, uh, but it did. It, uh, it came from the US uh, and uh, was created among other people by Ted Turner, who owned. Yeah. Uh, he, he started CNN, Turner Home Broadcasting, Turner Classic Atlanta Movies. Uh, he 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 owned. He was the owner of the World Championship Wrestling for a while. Uh. uh Funny story, by the way, about Ted Turner. My buddy was in the uh, in the army. He was a color guard at a at, a, at an Atlanta Braves game, and he said he was in the bathroom getting ready, and he heard and this dude staggered in, slammed into a stall, used the restroom, came staggered back out, drunk off his butt. It was Ted Turner. <laughs> Wow. He's like, I love you boys. You're doing a great job. He's like, thank you. And then they <laughs> went out the field. I always like that was funny. Um, so. This show had tons and tons of uh, guests. I mean, big names in it. LeVar Burton, Whoopi Goldberg, Margot Kidder. I know uh, 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 Tim Curry was in a bunch of episodes. I mean, there was a bunch of big names in it because uh, they were probably all buddies with Ted Turner. You know, And I want to say that I, wasn't Frank Welker? Didn't he do a voice or two in this Frank as well? Frank Welker, yeah. I, I, I thought I mentioned him. He did. Frank Welker did. like He was in Scooby-Doo. He's he was in every billions voice. of things. Yeah, he yeah. was everything that Frank Welker. I mean, anytime you need a dog sound, you call Welker up. He's a master. <laughs> uh, anyway, this was uh, this was produced by two different outfits. Dick, D-I-C. That was Dick Clark, I think. That was his outfit. Dick Enterprises. And then Hanna-Barbera did the last three seasons. This thing ran six seasons. And according to the wiki, this was the second longest-running U.S. cartoon of the 90s. Yeah. Who'd have thunk it? 113 episodes. Uh, so, <clears throat> what's the pitch? Well, there were five uh, different kids. Uh, uh, Quain from Africa with the power of Earth. Wheeler from North America with the power of fire. Uh, Linka from Eastern Europe with the power of wind. From Asia, there was someone called Guy with the power of water. And from South America, uh, Mai Tai, or Mai Tai, I guess Mai Tai, I gotta hope it wasn't that, uh, with the power <laughs> of heart. And then when these suckers, and they're like power rings for, like, Green Lantern, basically. When you get together, mm -hmm. they can all summon Captain Planet. It's this guy with, like, a blue guy with green hair and a, kind of a red tight suit. He can mm -hmm. go in there and kick a bunch of butt. And, uh, and so these shows are, are basically these guys going around. And the whole gimmick of the show is, like, conservation and anti-pollution. And uh, it's just real super... Um, What's that? He's, it's very. It has a message, and it drives yeah. it home repeatedly. Uh, in fact, I watched. I told you I would, and I did. I watched an episode of this this week just to get prepped because I'd never watched a full episode. Because, and I don't know how this played amongst kids, but around the people I knew, this show had a rep for being the dorkiest, like geekiest show for for dorky geeks. Like nobody I knew would would ever say that they watched this show. 
just it was it's super duper preachy. Now, uh, I watched it today, and I watched another episode earlier in the week, and they were they they were let the message stop, but uh, it it was a good message. Uh, like every episode, they're cleaning up toxic waste. They're uh, stopping forest fires or erosion or uh, 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 people from dumping garbage or people from, like, illegally dumping sewage. You know, all this crazy stuff. And plus, all the bad guys in it who are called uh, echo villains, they're all basically, uh, uh, they're all uh, people that want to pollute. That's their Basically, that's their gimmick. They hate the Earth, presumably, uh, and so that's that's what they do. They try to destroy the Earth, and that's and, which is seems counterproductive to me. But that's what they do. So that's the show. Uh, what was your thoughts on the original show? It was this you? This was sort of in your wheelhouse. Did you watch this as, as a, a younger oh, man? Oh yeah. I mean, you got. Why remember, am I not surprised? Well, first of all, I'm tremendously, tremendously younger than you. Okay, so I would be watching stuff that like. A, a, a person of your age would probably not touch with a 10-foot pole. Or if they did, they wouldn't brag to their friends that they would watch it. Um, I watch Captain Planet probably every day. I mean, I, I've seen a billion episodes. Um, here's the thing. I'm not surprised by this one bit. Here's the thing. I went back and I watched some episodes of this show because it had been a while since I've seen this. Okay. Let's not pretend that G.I. Joe is some sort of freaking Citizen Kane, okay? It, this I, did, show, I didn't like it either. <laughs> this show is preachy, yes. This yeah. show, every, every episode has a message about environmentalism. That's correct. But the actual plot, the actual villains, the actual stuff that goes down in the episode is exactly the same as every other 80s and 90s action cartoon, okay? So it's not that much worse than any of that stuff, which was all pretty crap to begin with. So I don't buy the whole, like, all oh, Captain Planet was the worst show ever. It wasn't. It was definitely more preachy about environmental issues than any other show, but that was the whole deal. That was the whole reason why it was created. Was It was this idea that, if we have a hero that saves the earth, it'll inspire the kids to save the earth, and we can make a whole bunch of money through merchandising. Speaking <laughs> that of merchandising, was their <laughs> speaking speaking of merchandising, um, every single—I don't know if you had a look at the docs on this game. I did, but they they had a plan when they made this game, and it was to capitalize on every single character because not only are all of the kids' names trademarked and Captain Planet's name trademarked. All of the villains' names, they have that little TM sign next yeah. to them, which means they were ready to roll out the toys when it came to this thing, and they didn't want anybody knocking them off. So for a, uh, for a game that preached an environmental message, they were creating a tremendous amount of plastic waste <laughs> through, well, the, uh, through the toy manufacturing line. I think I may know the reason why they would have been so, and you may know it too, uh, that they were so protective of their trademarks because the... The bad, the ultimate bad guy in this, and one of the guys that appear on the show quite often, is a guy named Duke Nukem. Okay, yeah. And so Duke Nukem, they sort of went to war with what well, was Apogee over the Duke Nukem name because they're both. They well, both, the Duke let's Nukem. Not, let's not pretend that Apogee was taking on Ted Turner. Well, Apogee had a game called Duke Nukem, and they got scared the Captain Planet the Captain Planet crew was going to sue them, so they changed the spelling of the name. Well, that, that's that's actually not the way I that, that's not the way I read it. From what I read, no. they came to they basically came to an agreement 
that they would change the name. And then later on, it was determined that their trademarks don't infringe on one another and that they could change their name back. So really, there right. was no throwdown. But if you think that Apogee was posing a serious threat to Ted Turner, oh, you're, you're insane. No, I, yeah, no kidding. But I'm just saying, that could be why they were doubly protective of their crap with the little TMs beside everything. Anyway, to get back to your previous point, uh, uh, this cartoon, you know, it's funny. I like the DIC... The, they did a bunch of cartoons I like. In fact, I think they did Pole Position, which we talked yeah, about. Yeah, they did Shirt Tales, yeah, too. That's which cool. I, I didn't like that one. But um, I like the art style in it. Uh, it's it's good. You know, it's excellent. There's nothing wrong. And you know me, I'm a, I'm a real stickler for art. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, uh, I, th- this game, this show, was is there's a reason it's lampooned and like made fun of still to this day. It's because, no, I don't agree with the G.I. Joe or Transporters, and neither one of those shows are my favorites. But I don't think this is like those. I mean, this thing, they just beat you over the head with I mean, you're trying to tell me that G.I. Joe had a message and was trying to get it over to you? No, it was just a, it was a, uh, a wacky, adventurous romp. Like, this oh, thing, yeah. like it's I, perpetual. Like I, I, I they never stop. I agree. The, the preachiness is off the charts yeah. in this show. But but if you if you leave that behind, and you just boil it down to its essence of the good guys being the bad guys. Like, there's nothing that G.I. Joe did that was, you know, much different than what these guys are doing. You know the funny thing about it, Bo, and I watched, like I said, I watched a couple episodes this week. This show fits. You could you could put this show out right now, and it, I wouldn't think twice about it. I would think, yep, that's about right. Because this show was like 20 years ahead of itself. Like, this show was built for today's world. I mean, mm-hmm. per, it would fit right in. Where if you try right. to put G.I. Joe or something out now for kids, they would they would not be happy. But you could put this out easy, you know, no problem. So, uh, it's funny. I would have never guessed it ran this long, you know, to be honest with you. I, honestly, I didn't think the show was very popular. Like I said, I didn't know anyone that was like that. Well, like, uh, Aaron, how I knew kids. I knew plenty. You were twenty years old. Hey, hold on a sec, there, Home Skillet. I was still watching cartoons. I still watch them today, and I know tons mm-hmm. of people that are younger than me that watch them, including you. So I know I got my finger on the pulse of the cartoon world. I know what kids are watching, and they weren't watching this. At least nobody I knew, but someone was was watching it. And one thing's for sure, they had big money behind it, and, and they also. Whether you agree with them or not, well, I don't know how you could not agree with wanting to screw up the earth. Not only did they have big money, but they had a principle that they were pushing here, which is don't pollute the earth. And I'm not going to rag on the show for saying that because <laughs> we live in one of the most polluted places around. We need plenty of this Great. stuff, so I'm all for it. So with that in mind, I think most of the I think most of the villains in Captain Planet actually reside in West Virginia. Yeah. Uh, at least, at least some of their wares are dealt here. Uh, this is where they retire, boat. Uh, anyway, this thing ran for one hundred and I think it was one hundred and sixteen episodes, so a good run. One hundred thirteen episodes, a good long run for a cartoon show, real long actually. So, with that out of the way, it was it was game time, and so they stuck this thing out. Now that uh, it's funny, Captain Planet games got released on several systems, boatster. You had your. Uh, uh, you had a version of Captain Planet that's not this one that was released on the Amstrad, uh, the uh, uh, and the ZX Spectrum uh, that I looked at. It's nothing like this at all. Right. It's more of a shooter, as, as I recall. It's a shooter, and it, it's got an interesting uh, bonus stage mechanic where you're flying behind Captain Planet. It's like a like a space carrier thing almost. I know the Spectrum version. It had some pretty cool looking effects. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. I, it yeah. looked pretty good. 
And then it you, better, yeah, I mean, it, it, I I kind of wanted to play that game. I, I know. I was thinking the same thing. I might play that tonight, actually. And then you've got uh, uh, the NES version. Now, as far as I, from what I read, this only got released in in like Europe. I don't think it had a U.S. release, uh, and it's completely different from any of the other ones as well. And then you had the two similar uh, versions that came out in the Atari ST and the Amiga. We'll get we'll do a little comparison of those later. Uh, so, anyway, this, of course, uh, ECS, OCS, it was good to go. So, what do you do in this thing, Boat? Uh, well, you pl- you basically take the role of the Planeteers to start, and your job is to get to these various levels and requ- and do these required tasks. Uh, each of the Planeteer has their respective powers from the show, to a certain degree, uh, Boat. Uh, you start off, this is one of those games that lets you pick uh, which stage you want to go to to a degree. You get to pick from two at the beginning. And then afterwards, you sort of like, uh, you earn the other ones as you go. Uh, so, Boat, just right out of the way, what would you think about this thing when it popped up, the music, the presentation? What was your thoughts? My first, say, minute with this game, I was like, man, why does everybody hate this game? This seems pretty good. Because it fires up, you've got a rock and tune, you can choose the stage that you start with. Uh, you know, you don't get to choose from all the stages, but you get you can choose from one of two stages. And then when you when you enter the game world, it looks good. I mean, the graphics in this game are legit good. They're drawn well. They're colorful. You don't get a lot of that kind of horribleness that you get with some Amiga games where if they have a real colorful main character, all the other colors are kind of muted. In this game, everything is really bright and beautiful. And I was moving my guy around. I started out with the fire level. I was I was blowing up some blocks. You know, my I was blowing up toxic waste with my fire weapon, which I believe is the approved way of getting rid of toxic waste. That's by the way, just take a flamethrower right to that's it. A, that's the way they do it in this state. Just yeah. it or bury it. Those are your two options. And then I got, uh, you know, like I said, about a minute in, I, I ran into my first platforming section, and I realized that this is where the game falls apart. So that was that was my, my first impressions of this game. I also start on the fire section. I'm going to disagree with you a little bit here. Uh, I do agree it's colorful. It, it's got music while you play uh, and sound effects, which is nice. And there's a lot going on, and it's not unattractive. But what it, remi- what it looked like to me, it reminded me an awful lot of those early... Uh, 90s or late 80s PC platformers. Just the, yeah. it, the guy Jazz, small. Jackrabbit, stuff like well, that. Well, I mean, not not of that. You would have that quality. Uh, the guy is... Jill of the Jungle. Small, yeah, but more like that. And and it's the way he moves, it sort of mm-hmm. reminds me of that. Uh, and But, I mean, that's it, that much said, uh, it's not like unplayable garbage. It just it, it looks a little bit different than what I would have expected. Uh, I like the uh, uh, the various environments are different. In fact, it's funny the uh, uh, one of the environments looked it reminded me so much of the first level of Gods. It was unbelievable. Well, look, these look pillars at, and look stuff. at that sky gradient. If you're watching yeah. the video, I mean, look at that sky gradient. Nobody, I mean, why do you need AGA if you can do gradients oh, like that? Yeah, in the here we go. Well, that necessarily here or there. So uh, if you play the first mission that I picked, which was the, was the fire guy Wheeler. Uh, your your job is to go and get rid of enough toxic waste to where you could get in your ship, because pretty much every level in this has a combination of a running around and a vehicle, which also I appreciated. I like that's yeah. neat. Neat. That's a neat angle, uh, and and you'll need to do use both to finish the level. So in this one, you've got to get rid of the toxic waste, and you've got to fix the ozone layer. Okay, 
getting rid of the toxic waste, let's talk about the actual, and, and if, we're going to be a little more intricate on these because these characters do different stuff, and they, I mean, they do, even their ability to do the weapons of it's different. Every character has different stuff. So for the fire guy, he shot spot, shoots fire. He's the easiest guy to come to grips with because he's basically just shooting and jumping. Now, this game, uh, it's up for jump, of course, uh, and once you get past that, you, you're going to come to these platforms that have, like, Mario-style cubes. You jump under them, and a goodie pops out, or a baddie, depending on what it is. And you climb these things, and this is one of those games that have all the platforms set up to where you sort of have to use them to get to the, ultimately get where you need to go. On the first level, you have to, for example, you have to get rid of all the toxic waste before you can get to your ship. And the toxic waste is all over the place, and so you have to jump up along a, a, speci a specific path along uh, uh, platforms to get to the upper areas or get to certain places to get the toxic waste. So you've got to come to grips. So you're, here we go down that road. It's not like a freewheeling, just finish the level sort of affair. Uh, it's funny uh, for a game, I'm assuming, I you know, I wonder if this was, uh, I'm assuming this was actually developed in Europe because it, it does have that European flair oh, I, for a platformer. Yeah, I, yeah. Can you, why would this game not be developed in Europe and only get a European release? Well, I mean, listen, I don't know. It got it did get an American release because I, I saw people on eBay selling it. So it got, a, that's why I didn't know for sure. But it does, it, it's very, it's a, a more of a European platform. Than this is, this is a classic example of a European platformer where when they design the level they took you know a huge grid you know whether it was physical graph paper or not but anyway they just plotted out this giant you know uh, world and then they just filled it in with platforms and things like that and so there's no linearity to any of these levels at all well, it's all set within this giant square and you're moving around you're moving platforms you're constantly backtracking in this game going to get things coming back to other things it's very I don't want to say well-planned, but, I mean, it, the levels, they didn't just throw some crap together because it's very intricate, the path to take. Even Right. It's funny. I, I got rid of all the toxic waste. Just the path to get to my ship at the very beginning. I was like, my God, you, you had to go all the way across the zone once, then all the way back across the zone just to get to your vehicle. I mean, mm -hmm. that's the way this game is. To get to these different areas, you have to use your different powers. Now, again, we're just talking about the fire guy here to start off with. Uh, as you go, you're going to see enemies. Uh, they're enemies of the, like, uh, starfish-looking things and blobs and, and crap. Plus, their case, you'll come across, like, a, a, a pit of pollution. Uh, and, and if he hits these things, they will, they'll, they'll drop him. Just like that. And, and it's funny, in a game like this, I found their deaths particularly vile-looking occasionally. They would melt, or their mm -hmm. skin would come off. I mean, it was brutal. <laughs> I thought that's over-the-top violence for this, or a game yeah. of this sort. The worst thing on the, at least the levels I played were these, uh, and you'll get these sometimes when you open the uh, mystery boxes when you jump under them, are these spinning blades. I guess that's what they are. And, and there's nothing that pisses me off more, boat than when you use one of these mystery boxes and there's something bad in there. Then you have to go run around like an idiot. So I, I effectively just stopped opening those whenever I could. I didn't even open them well, anymore. Well, there, there's, there's lots of things that... that... <sighs> Here's the thing. Um... This game does a lot of things that I think are really cool. Yeah. Okay? I agree. Uh, each one of the powers that you're given is very unique, Yeah. very different, and the way that they're implemented in the levels is very cool. Okay? So the fire, the firepower, that's probably the lamest of them all because it's the most generic. Yeah. But 
being able in the ice level, being able to uh, put ice, uh, you know, put ice uh, platforms where you want to go. It's like Rainbow Islands, basically. Yeah. You know, you're you're, put, you're, you're putting you're putting up ice platforms. Yeah. You're jumping. That's a cool mechanic. Plus, you can the shoot the enemy where, with it. In the in the garden uh, area where you have the the planeteer that allows plants to grow. Oh. That's another cool thing. Yeah. You walk up to a plant, you make it grow, you climb up the vine or whatever. That's really unique. That's really cool. That was the way the, in yeah. the level in the level where you've got the rock. You know, you can make rocks form, and then you're pushing rocks, and you're using them to overcome difficulties. You're pushing them onto enemies and killing enemies. That's super awesome. That's super awesome. So I'm a big fan of all of that stuff, and we've not talked about the scoring mechanic in this game. So. Whenever you defeat an enemy in this game, the soul of the enemy follows you around. It's like a little mini version of the enemy. I always just think about like a soul, and we just watched that Pixar movie Soul, Soul, and it, yeah. it reminded me of that. Yeah. So, whenever uh, now this will last as long until you take a hit. Okay, when you take a hit, those guys stop following you around. But until that happens, every soul that's following you acts as a score multiplier. Okay, so whenever you defeat an enemy or you hit a secret uh, area that gives you points, every single soul behind you that multiplies your score by that many souls, and you see the scores pop up. Okay, that's awesome. That's a really cool mechanic. Now, it's does wacky, that mechanic that's for make sure. does that mechanic make any sense whatsoever no. in a platform exploration game? No. Yeah. No, not really. It's a good I mean, idea for something else. I will say that this is not this is not a score attack game yeah. at all. I don't think. But there are lots of things in this game that are interesting and that are cool. Yeah. What lets this game down is the controls. The controls are just so bad. You have to make precision jumps out the yin-yang in this game, and your character is not prepared to make them because when you jump, anything can happen. I mean, this game, there's a mechanic in this game that, okay, first of all, there's fall death in this game, which is horrible. And it's hard now, to judge how far death. you can fall. It's it's very yeah, I hard. I hate fall yeah. death in any game. Yeah. But in a game like this, there's no excuse to have that in the game. That's just needless frustration on the part of the player. Yeah. But the other problem is that in order to mitigate that, in some cases when you fall off the edge, your player will launch a balloon or like a parachute over their yeah. head, and it, you'll float safely to the bottom. Except when that doesn't happen and you don't and you die. But that's actually that's times. not actually how that works. Oh, okay. Here's how well, it works. Yeah, tell me how it works because maybe I'm just not understanding. Yeah. So and uh, this is funny. I that so when you're jumping, if you hit up, a balloon will come out. At least on the levels I played. No, oh, I didn't get to, I didn't get to play okay. all the levels. Okay, I will say I didn't that. Know so that. I, and so what happens is what's great about this, this is the one thing I listen, we a lot of people kill this game and it deserves some death, but this right here is innovative as hell. When you jump you can push up, and that balloon will come out. Now, sometimes it gets annoying. In fact, at first, I used to come up all the time because I kept trying to shoot. You can't fire while you're jumping, at least with the fire guy. You can with the... Uh, you. I don't think you can do with any of them, actually, when you're jumping. But you can't fire while you're jumping, which is stupid. But what you can do is, let's say you're on a ledge, and you're jumping to the next ledge, and you jump, and you're not going to make it. All right? You can hit up, and that balloon will pop up and will float you directly from where you left. Every well, time. part of the problem, part of the problem that I had was that I would get right up to the edge of the cliff, right up to the edge of the platform, yeah. and then I would attempt to jump, and I'd hit the middle portion 
I hit, I'd be right on the edge where the game didn't know if I was trying to jump or if I was trying to activate the parachute. Right. That's, this happened to me constantly. That's 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 one of the problems. If this what need this game really could use is two buttons, because yeah. a, a button specifically for that parachute would be great. Because yeah, you're right. Yeah. But what I found is when I was going through a difficult section with jumping, and you would miss all the time if you just hit up and the and the balloon would you, and just hold up. You keep holding up until the balloon just pit floats you right back to where you left. Then you just try it again. That way, that's great. That way, you don't die. This is a good idea, for especially yeah. for a game. Now, listen, this game is too hard for little kids. Okay, mm-hmm. it's too hard for big kids, but yeah. this is something that I could see putting in a game for little kids and it being a good thing, because Absolutely. it was great for me because I didn't die very often on those on stuff like uh, jumping, pinpoint jumping, because you all effectively you had a built-in second chance. It's actually quite brilliant. And it's right. funny to find it in a game like this where you think, and I think a lot of people have misconstrued what that power is, because for the, long, for the first two or three plays of this, I was so pissed off that this balloon kept popping out, and it would screw me, you know? And I couldn't figure out what, what the heck was going on. Well, that's what it was. If you keep holding... You'll just go all the way back. It always takes you to the place you jumped from last. It never mm-hmm. takes you anywhere else. It doesn't lower you down. It just takes you to the exact point where you jumped. That's great. I don't know why. Yeah, I, I don't know why I didn't. I well, didn't it's because it's not out. intuitive and, at all, Bo. You, I mean, yeah. I, trust me. It, it's not something I picked up instantly. You know, and this mm-hmm. game. I was thinking about this before we started. This game is. There's a lot of depth here. I was like, man, this game might take a while to talk about because. I, like I said, I only got to play three of the characters, so I didn't get to play a couple of the characters. Or I didn't get to play Captain Planet either, because uh, I, I didn't have a cheat or anything. <clears throat> uh, but uh, this game has some advantages. We might just go over what we liked and what we didn't like, Boat. And I'll start. I liked what I've talked about already with the balloon. I liked the different characters and the different powers. Uh, the levels are okay. The backtracking stuff, it's, I mean, it is puzzly, but it's kind of fun. Uh, that 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 scoring thing is neat. It's weird looking, but neat. You know, there's there's the levels are varied. The graphics are okay. The music's hit or miss. In all honesty, uh, uh, it's it's a hit or miss affair with the music. Some of the music I thought was okay. I didn't think any of it was solid gold, but I thought some of it was okay. Well, lo- listen, in, in, in the in the realm of the Amiga, where you know we're lucky to have background music at all most of the time. I thought that this was above average, above average. Yeah, I mean, there. like I said, for me, it depended. I like the fact that you have vehicles. I like the fact that the, the levels are, like, multi-tiered. I think that's cool. Uh, so that was, I thought that was neat. I like the fact you can pick what level you want to go to, to a certain degree. I think that's cool. And I like the fact that ultimately you get to the point where you're playing Captain Power, or Captain Planet. Now, with all that said, and I think you're going to agree with a lot of these, because I don't see how you couldn't. Number one, the levels are... Probably ten times longer than they should be without somewhere to take a break. Or uh, this this is the typical thing that we hate. They make these levels go on forever, forever. Mm-hmm. They're too long. They need to split this thing up. There's a lot of game here, but these levels they're too long. Two, they're too hard. It's a hard game. Even with the uh, the help of the parachute, it's just difficult. The fact that they've got stuff that pops out of the boxes that kill you. There's little things that pop up that are hard to shoot. They are hard to affect that kill you. It, I found the game tough. Okay, uh, and uh, so there's there's those two things right there. Also, the game can just be downright confusing as you try to figure out what to do or where to go. What this needs is like 
a this way button or a thing, a message to pop up and say, do this, do that. You only get a little message at the beginning of the level, but you don't know what you're doing. So when they say, for example, uh, get rid of the toxic waste, you have to get rid of all the toxic waste. Is there a meter? There's a meter, right. but it doesn't go away till it's empty. So what's the point of the meter? You know, I didn't right. think I had to get rid of all of it at first. You know, stuff yeah, like having, that. Having a, a gauge that shows you how many how many boxes are left, stuff like that. Even even just a, you know a, a mini map or something to show you where where there might be some hiding. Yeah, yeah because that, that, these that, levels that are immense. They're immense mm-hmm. levels, boat. Here's another right. thing I hate, and this goes back to the old Dreamcatcher article from our first couple years. They the use of space in this game was stupid. They've got a huge section, probably a a, a third of the, or a fourth of the screen is is, is all this is a picture of your guy in a ring, and that mm-hmm. and then and the rest of it's blank. First of all, that's just lazy. You couldn't put mm-hmm. a background or something there. And secondly, why is it there? Because it's not on the ST version, and an ST version, by comparison, looks better because it's this big empty spot. You could have put if you're going to have all that space, put something useful, like you said, a map or how many barrels you've got left to take care of, or how many elephants you've got left to rescue. Something you can use. Don't put nothing. Nothing is nothing. You know, and it was so that's I didn't like that either. Uh, the uh, you're right. The the platforming elements are difficult. Again, if this is a, a game for kids, they they this is not a kid friendly game. I mean, it, for an adult, this is probably a honestly. I think this game has been uh, unfairly beat down. I think there's yeah. a lot of game here. Uh, to be honest with you, I think the controls are okay, but but they're. I mean, listen, it's a tough game. It just is. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there's a lot of variance, uh, you know, variety uh, to the game that I liked. So, you know, there was a lot to like. There was a lot to dislike. This reminds me, how many times have we said this in the past two months? This game got a lot right, but it fell short in some key areas that make it not a good game. That's my yeah. thoughts. What do you think? I, I agree with everything that you said. You know, I already went over what I what I liked about the game. The, 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 the powers that each Planeteer have are totally unique and totally cool. And the way that they utilize those powers over the course of the stage is great. Yeah, but just like you said, the stages are too long. They needed to split them up, and uh, like you know, it's no crime. You know, again, this is 1991. This is like you know, more than half a decade after Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, make stage one dash one. Yes, one dash two. Yes, you know, cut it down a little bit. And it also makes you feel take a breather. It makes you feel better about yourself too. You're like, okay, I got because my God. Uh, no one wants to go... Th- uh, trust me, when you start one of these stages over after you've gotten to the second half or the, or the late second half, you're, it's, it's, it sucks. It's demoralizing. You know, it really yeah. is. Um, I noticed that someone in the chat, yes, Tenmark of all people, said the ST version looks better blasphemy. Let's let's zoom over to the port comparison here, Boat, for a minute. Now, uh, for the people watching at home, you can see what are the, what's the big difference here, guys. The ST gets a big, wide screen. We, I mean, we've got we've got half a third of the screen cut off. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Now I haven't, I will say, I haven't played the ST version, but I think the ST version looks pretty good. It looks you to know, me, it looks more console than the Amiga version. One theory I have about this that I've heard from from people is that you know they were so conscious of uh, you know making lazy PAL editions uh, of the game yeah. that they would oftentimes make the screen smaller on purpose in Amiga releases. Uh, they would cut off those bottom pixels 
just to make the PAL conversion, you know, they, they wouldn't have to do much with the PAL conversion because you'd only see that, that top part well, of the screen anyway. Here, here's the funny thing about that boaster. So if you look in the manual, you can actually control the uh, horizontal and vertical screen, plus you can switch between PAL and NTSC with the keyboard. Really? Yeah, huh. it's in the book. So wow. there, there's that. Uh, I, don't, I, I can only assume, here's my guess, and it's just a guess. Uh, my guess is they did the they did that on the Amiga version to have more of a connection with the cartoon. That's my because you do get I will say the the drawings at the bottom are, are the cartoon characters. They and so they that's nice. really they look good and I, that's just a guess. And mm -hmm. I know as you go through the 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 the, the I think is your ring will change depending on what you're doing. But I mean for the most part I never looked at it and never cared really. But right. it's there. I, I think the uh, I think the uh, uh, Atari ST actually did a pretty they did a pretty good job on this one. I think the Amiga they dropped the ball on this. But overall, now let's conclude with this boat. And unless you got anything more pertinent to say, this game has we I mean it's is the run of the litter. Uh, this was in the uh, very famous uh, the the cartoon pack, the Amiga five hundred right. pack that everyone loved. And this is the one I think that gets vilified out of that pack. Uh, what did you think of this thing as a whole? I mean, is this the garbage game that we assumed it would be? No. Remember on? Um, remember when you guys covered Michael Jordan Chaos in the Windy City? Yeah. Yeah. And you know there was a big discussion about this being you know one of the worst Super Nintendo games of all time. Yeah. Wrong. I kind of feel like this has that same reputation yeah. with Amiga fans. And to those people, I say. Let me introduce you to a little game I like to call Top Banana. Yeah. Then you can tell me about a bad Amiga game. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And let and I, I will say Michael Jordan Trouble to Win is better than this, in my opinion. But that's just me. Uh, but <clears throat> there's there's a lot of game here, a lot, you know. And there's there's a lot of levels. Again, th is it perfect? No. Now this is another game. You play this one with your emulator. You use your save states uh, a lot. And, and I, I was con I mean, literally after almost every jump, I would use the save state. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, not, I wasn't that bad, but uh, but I, um, it's it's one for the, probably the teenager in your family, not the kid. But uh, uh, there's fun to be had here. It's not perfect, but there is absolutely got flaws, big gaping flaws that make me make it. It's not a game I'd go back to, but I don't think it's crap. Uh, I think it's uh, I think it's okay, and I, I mean it also one thing that we haven't mentioned is it actually does sort of catch the spirit of the show. I mean because mm -hmm. most games you would just play Captain Planet, uh, but in, in one thing about that show because Captain Planet's the headline guy, he's the captain, he flies and is awesome, but that show really isn't about him. It's about the Planeteers, and they and then he shows up towards the end of like every episode. And that's yeah. sort of exactly what they did in this game. The Planeteers go do their business, and at the end, they bring out the the, the big guy, you know, and he'll come in to fight Duke Nukem at the end of the game. Well, one thing I would have liked to have seen is having the Planeteers interact more with each other on every level. Like, for example, uh, you control one of the Planeteers on every level, but over the course, as you're exploring the levels... You might run into another planeteer as an NPC. Maybe you need the rock guy to like generate some rocks for you. So you're talking. He's like, "Let me help you with that." Boom, 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 and then you get to move on or something like that. You could have almost made this like an action, like a like a three Viking sort of affair where you have right, to switch right. between them. That's an angle. Yeah, now, I can't believe I'm sitting here thinking of ideas for the next Captain Planet game with you. But that's <laughs> not. Call us up, Mindscape. We got lots of ideas. Yeah. By the way, Mindscape. Like I said, they 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 didn't do this game. 
I don't. I wonder how much faith there was when they released this on a, being a big seller. I mean, they put it in that pack, so I assume they it, that it did pretty well. They well, wouldn't I put wonder, a complete you know, dud packs, in there. That with the packs, I, I wonder what the thinking was behind it. Was are, we're going to bundle in our best games with these packs, or we're going to bundle in so many games that it doesn't matter that they're all crap because we can put get fifteen games free with the computer on the box. I don't think I think they put good stuff in there. I'm trying to think. Was it like D Pain in there among other things? I think I don't think it, they there, just there were a, there were a million. There. There here were it a million is. I've got it right oh, here sure. actually. Okay. Uh, um, you could get so here's what you got with the cartoon the cartoon classics bundle. Okay, year of sale ninety two. It was three hundred fifty nine pounds. What a steal, by the way. <laughs> That's a steal. So uh, what you got was uh, Amiga five hundred plus. With you got a, uh, of course you had to get the old A520 modulator. That piece of crap was stuck in there. Yeah, uh, it, it had Workbench 2.4. It had the Simpsons game, Captain Planet, Lemmings, and Deluxe Paint 3. So no, those okay. weren't done. Yeah, that, that's not now, a, that's not a bad bundle. If you it's bought, easy to see why Captain Planet would be the most derided of those games. If you, if the package was bought from Silica Systems, I guess there was a different bundle for them. You would get Photon Paint 2, the Arcade Action Pack, Zool, and GFA Basic Interceptor 3.5 free. So, and, and that's mm-hmm. not too bad. So, that's, boy, what a bargain, by the way. That was a heck of a bargain. 2.04. My bad. Uh, so, uh, so I don't think they thought it was a dud. I think they had, they thought they had a good quality game that would last a while. And I think mm-hmm. it's sort of kind of, I wouldn't say it's good quality, but it does last. So, there you go. So, yeah. Boat. I think. Oh, let me go to some reviews here before we get to our Discord stuff. So, uh, I looked this uh, up on the lemon. The lemon, I thought generously, frankly, I was surprised. Uh, I think they gave it a five point five eight, which that's not nearly nearly as low as a lot of stuff. Uh, this game had a lot of scores from things I've never heard of, so we're going to talk about them. Something called Eight Eighty Gamer gave it a fifty two percent. I don't think we've ever heard of that one. Uh, Amiga Action gave it a seventy seven. Amiga format just dropped a hammer, 43%. Amiga Joker, 64%. Amiga Point of View, Issue 1, which I've never heard of that one either, 40%. Uh, Amiga Power, 1 out of 5. And then uh, they that was their second review. The first review, 43%. CU Amiga, 59 And the average magazine rating, according to Lemon, 54% uh, boat. What okay. did, what did our Discordians have to say about this one? Both they were they were not nearly as kind as a lot. I can't believe Amiga Joker gave that thing sixty four. Yeah, I was higher than almost everyone else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll start things off with Chris Foltz. He says utter dross. Where to start? Choppy graphics, sluggish controls, collision detection, written by a blind man. The levels are like some kind of acid trip, jumping through the clouds to find a dolphin swimming in a weird cage, grabbing an elephant in a net, and flying around with it, shooting hot air balloons with a laser, yeah. and my favorite early level treat of finding polar bears in the, in the clouds and yeah. damning them with a spaceship yeah. to get them to move. You nudge them, Bo. You nudge them. <laughs> I'm not sure Captain Planet likes animals. Game does get an extra point for the graphics being half decent and in-game music. Three out of ten. Lord Soup writes, The Mickey had some appalling platformers, and this stands out among them. I got some rubbish as my pack-in game, so at least I didn't get this. Two out of ten. Want a decent Amiga platformer? Go for Flood, Rick Dangerous, Switchblade, not this. Captain Planet and the Planeteers, Jason Warns writes, Fail. Three out of ten. 
And finally, oh no, not final. We got a couple more here. Graham W. Bebke writes: the game loads without errors, so he starts off positive. <laughs> What? Uh, he says, uh, the art style is like my seven-year-old's crayon set has gone wild. This game probably could be used to test colorblindness at times. I didn't mind the sound in the game, and that is probably the best aspect of the game. Now, I, where I really struggled were with the controls. They were still able to respond, and the jumps were too floating. At times, it was so frustrating, and it felt just unplayable. The concept of this game is a mess, and the level design is cut-and-pasted spaghetti. Why do these levels require precision jumps when there's no precision from these controls? Was this a feature to extend the gameplay time? What a mess. When you lose all your lives, it states you have failed. And this game has failed to impress me. Two out of ten. Barkbit, Sweden's Finest, writes, This game has a lot of decent aspects, like graphics, music, and a wacky cutesy theme. Controlling a new character with a different ability for each level adds variety to the game, and each level has different tasks to complete before reaching the exit. Where it all falls apart is with the jumping mechanic and the one-hit kills. It makes the game frustratingly hard and kills it dead 3 out of 10. Super Fammy King writes, This was actually given to me in a bunch of games from a neighbor when they were immigrating to New Zealand back in the 90s, and to be honest, even for free, it was still too expensive. (laughs) Serviceable, colorful graphics, and bouncy in-game music are about the only decent aspects of this terrible platformer. Floaty controls and dull, repetitive level design are just the beginning of this game's downfall. The collision detection is awful, and the responsiveness of the on-screen characters are super slow, meaning random, frustrating platform action. I absolutely hated the cartoon as it had wimpiness written all over it. That's true. Predictably, the game follows suit with its politically correct, earth-saving message rammed down your throat at all times. A terrible platformer that looks as is aimed at kids. In that case, why is it so difficult? Barbie Horse Adventure is like Resident Evil compared to this sickly, unplayable tripe. Wow. Two out of ten. Wow! What a what a rant! And finally, Da Crabs writes, Best Captain Planet game on the Amiga. 10 out of 10. Yeah. There he is. What? <laughs> Boat, are there's we, the, are there's we, the contrasting viewpoint. Are we mutants or something? Why did we not? I mean, listen, I'll kill a game. I'll kill it dead. But I thought there were some elements of this game that I thought were pretty, almost endearing in a way. Well, here's the thing. I think that when you look to having to examine a game with a critical eye, you tend to notice things that the casual player might not notice. And you can't undersell the fact that a lot of the people that are down on this game paid money for this game. You know, whether it was in a bundle or whatever, it was money changed hands to get this thing. And that can sometimes change your opinion. You're not going to be quite as forgiving about things like this. Because at the end of the day, the most important thing about a platformer is that it controls well. And this game controls like garbage. I don't agree. I, I don't think it controls that badly. I had I didn't have any trouble getting around. I didn't have any trouble. Okay. Okay. You know, now I mean, there, well, it, like it, I said, it takes some getting used I to. Known, if I would have known about the balloon mechanic, and 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 use that to my to my help, that might have changed my opinion. But yeah, to me, this game, you know, it's got it's got neat ideas and and everything like that. But at the end of the day, if it doesn't control, if I don't feel like I'm in control of my character. I'm not gonna have a good time. I play a lot of games that are have weird jump, okay? Mm-hmm. And part of it's from doing ARG a lot. You get a, right. 
and, right. and I mean, it's uh, listen. Is this Donkey Kong? No. Okay. Jump wise or control wise, something as precise and reflex ready as that, it's not. But every game has its own feel. Like I mean, everyone loves Manic Miner, right? Well, and I like Manic Miner, but let's face facts: Manic Miner ain't Donkey Kong either. It's got its own unique jump and run style, and this sure, game does sure. too. I don't. I will say I think the controls lose something when you're in your vehicle. I will agree with that. Uh, I, and I also one hit kills on a game that's this difficult is too is t- too hard, you know. And and yes, there the glitch detection is hit or miss. I mean, I'm not saying everything here is uh, is a uh, birthday cake, but I got around once I understood the elementary el- way that you move around. I mean, it just takes some getting used to, just like anything else. But, I mean, it's definitely doable. You know, now, if there are other parts of the game that turn you off, I can understand that. I can turn, I mean, everything can turn you off. But, I mean, I, th- I didn't think it was that you know, bad at control. There is something that I need to mention, too, because I just saw Wing Chun Wolf just popped in in the chat. And he says, I sort of want to give this game a world just watching the gameplay. I created a special version of this video for this show where I took a full gameplay and cut it down to 20 minutes. Before you get too excited about when to give this thing a whirl, go and watch an actual gameplay video and see how much backtracking and just how long you spend doing every single task in this game. I mean, the sections where you're flying around in your ship, you're literally just flying back and forth, yeah. literally for 15 minutes yeah. at a time. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, but I mean that that's not that unusual for this type of game. I mean, we've seen that before. Uh, and mm-hmm. and you have to come listen. And you know I don't like that. But if you if you come to grips with that sort of gameplay, that's what it is. That's this is that type of game. Is it a good version of that type of game? It's okay. You know that enough said. Uh, but I mean, it's not everyone's cup of tea. I can see why it was hated. But I think some tweaks, some minor tweaks, boat. You might have something resembling a winner. That's just me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, Aaron. Well, let's leave Captain Planet, and uh, let's head on over to the Amigos Retro Gaming YouTube channel to see what's been cooking over there these days. So, for starters, I guess we'll start where we always start with old ARG Presents. Uh, This past week, me and the Brent here, we jumped on board the Gamate slash Super Child Prodigy uh, handheld system from uh, Taiwan. And this was a real... Interesting system, Boat. I'll be honest with you. Uh, it was uh, unusual. It's a Game Boy, like it's a Game Boy knockoff, basically. Uh, so it's got, a, it's just like you would expect it to be when it's a Game Boy knockoff. But I didn't find it to be totally crap as I anticipated because mm-hmm. we most of these things are actually crap. Uh, we played a couple of unique games here. I played something called Bell Queen Titan. Pronounced horribly, and Brent played Punk Boy. Now Brent's game was hideous, hideous. You want to see a bad game? Go play, go play Punk Boy. Crap. Uh, however, uh, uh, Bio Ting, uh, Bio Quintan is a sort of like a final fight ripoff, where you play the an ancient Chinese heroic judge or one of his buddies as they go across the country and beat a bunch of tail. And it's 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 repetitive. It's not great, but look at those graphics, boat. Pretty good. Not uh, bad. Not boss bad. fights. There's depth, and and the backgrounds all look hand drawn. I really kind of mm-hmm. dug it, to be honest with you. I mean, I wouldn't want to play it again, really. But I mean, it's still fun. 
uh, a neat game, but it was a neat to learn about the system. Why did it fail? You know, what did they do wrong? They did a lot of stuff right, to be honest with you, but they were just in there against the Mac Daddy of handheld games. It's hard to yeah, it's hard to take on the Game Boy. Yeah, it's, I it's agree. Tough. So that, but it was I, I enjoy. You know, I like those. Uh, I kind of like those far out episodes sometimes. Yeah. Now here's one boat. Holy smokes! It was a happening last Sunday or was it Saturday? Last Saturday, it all went down, boat. Ask the Amigos Spicy Edition. What made it spicy, Boat, if I may ask? Oh, you're going to have to watch to find out. I man. was there. <laughs> I don't know. I don't <laughs> Anyway, it's Ask the Amigos. So you know what that means. Me and Boat answered a bunch of crazy questions. I had a lot of fun on this one, Boat. Uh, it was it was particularly interesting and wacky, and I enjoyed it. Yeah. I particularly like the part where you, without any fanfare or any previous notice, just get up and leave. My particular, that's my favorite part. And while me and everyone in the chat are dumbfounded, and then when you sit back down, you're like, "What's wrong?" I'm like, "What did you do?" And, you, and then you produce the giant plastic bottle. I was like, "Oh, okay, that explains it." So yeah, you were in rare form that day, my friend. Did it you, was. I had to stay dry during Coco Talk, so I had to make yeah. up for it. <laughs> yeah, yes, you did. So, but anyway, we had a good time. That was this thing ran for like what was it, hour and a half? Yeah, a lot of great questions from our Discord community. Yeah, they were really good. I thought they, I thought they did some good stuff there. All right, Sprite Castle, Sprite Castle. His opening. I'm telling you, you have that on in the car. It shakes mm -hmm. the window. It does. Now I missed. I missed this one, unfortunately. I, in fact, I just started listening to the actual show about this. This is below the root of yeah. boat. What do you What do you know about this one? Yeah. So this one, I, I listened to this episode, and this was uh, this was a game that was put out by Spinnaker Software, or at least one of their subsidiaries, which were makers of uh, a lot of edutainment or edutainment oh, titles yeah. on the on the eight bit computers. Uh, but they're actually pretty good. And uh, this game is an adventure game. It's a combination parser, like uh, like Scum-style game, with uh, being able to have direct control over your player. Yeah. So it's it's kind of a neat a neat adventure game. It's based on a, a, a series of novels that came out in the 70s. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's very similar to a game that I loved growing up called The Scoop, which is, uses the same engine, which I was totally unaware of that there were other games that use this engine. And I really hope that Rob plays that on a future episode where you're trying to solve a, a murder mystery in the same sort of game engine. So, uh, yeah, definitely check out. And I watched some of the stream because in my mind I had no idea what this thing looked like when he was describing it. So uh, this is a great little rundown of what this game looks like. And then make sure you listen to the full episode of the Sprite Ca uh, Castle podcast on the Amigos Retro Gaming podcast feed. It's funny. I don't have any idea how I missed this. <laughs> I usually check these out. So, yeah, I'll go back and watch this on myself. So, yeah, good stuff. It looks pretty good, actually, just sitting here looking at it. Um, so, uh, here we go. Now, I did catch some of this. This is a this is a review and a walkthrough of the ZX Spectrum Planet of Death, one of the all-time, look at that box art on that. Look at that. Yeah, this is one of the all-time greatest differences between the box art and what the game actually is of all time. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a it's a text adventure in the boat, as I recall. Yeah, it is a text adventure, but it's it's uh when when you're just I don't know. I was prepared to at least have some graphics or something. Now, this is a very early text adventure. I believe that this came out the same year that the Spectrum was released. Yeah. So my, obviously, my 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 aspirations were too high. But Paul, uh, he takes you through the instructions. I believe the instructions are only one page 
decades long. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then you're on your own, and he plays a little bit of the game. These this has proven to be a very popular series where Paul uh, takes us through these text based adventure games on the spectrum. Yeah, Hermsky's Hermsky's got it down, and I, I, Wishbone just mentioned this in the chat, and I agree. But I had this on, and I laid down and just kicked back, and and it did. It is it's, it's very relaxing to listen to Hermsky go over this stuff. He's it was I enjoyed it. I in fact Hermsky's one of my go to people when it's time to wind down. I, I now now RMC Retro does point out in the chat that the advantage to this is that there's no color clash. So that's that's, that's probably why they went with the straight text. You know, now that I can run the spectrum next, I can actually run this text adventure at double the rate too. So it'll be it'll run quicker for me, right? If I, I yeah, hope I can yeah, type you'll, fast you'll burn to keep right up. through it, man. That's right. So yeah, Hermsky getting it done old school. Here we go. Now look at this boaster. It's the first year of the ZX Spectrum from from the man who who he was there. He was living yeah. it. Frodo. He was in his early thirties. Happy birthday, Frodo! By the way, uh, upcoming birthday. And so Frodo here is playing games. I did catch some of this that was re that were released the first year on the Spectrum. Uh, kind of a neat. I liked it. Remember we talked about doing that with the Amiga a while back. This is a great idea. Yeah. And yeah. I watched some of this, and it's it, the games are just what you would expect, like knockoffs from arcade games, like little text adventures, stuff like that. And uh, but some of them are some of them are pretty interesting. I blew that. I think that's a Horus game right there. Hopefully, I can invoke his name without the law coming to get me. Uh, there's a Pac-Man ripoff. So uh, Frodo just goes through his uh, FPGA and just knocks this stuff out. It's interesting, man. Did you catch any of this book? Yeah, now, it is funny, you know, not only do we have, you know, all of this great Spectrum content, tonight you're going to do a Spectrum stream. Today is the birthday of the ZX81, Aaron. Neil, Neil just pointed that out in the chat. You know, hilariously, me and Brent are covering the Timex Sinclair 1000, uh, by chance. And all on, the stars are aligned. On Sunday, which is the American knockoff of the ZX81. It's funny, because... Remember when we on one of the questions on Ask the Amigos was which computer would you send to the away forever the desert island, and I picked the Timex Sinclair one thousand, but I made a mistake, okay, because the one I actually wanted was the one that came after the American version of the ZX Spectrum, which is is crap. Uh, the Timex Sinclair one thousand is not that good either, but uh, so when we when we spun this, I thought, oh man, we're gonna be playing stuff on the on the you know uh, that's basically stuff from the uh, ZX. Spectre, but no, we're actually going to be playing games that are sort of the equivalent of the ZX81 this week, so oh, it's funny how you're right, the stars did align on that mm -hmm. stuff, and yes, I was actually successful this week in getting my uh, Unamiga to run ZX Next uh, stuff, and so I'm going to be playing a crap load of a ZX Spectre stuff to celebrate the birthday, all part of the plan, Boat. I swear Absolutely. to God. But anyway, yes, please check out Frodo. Uh, check this out. The first year, this is a very interesting one. And if for all of Frodo's streams are really good. All these guys, they know how to do it. So check him out whenever you can, Boaster. Uh, finally, here we go. I did catch some of this too, uh, late. This is our buddy, Tim. Pixel Gaten's Tim. And this time out, it's a little bit of C64 action. He streamed this uh, just, I think it was, either, it was yesterday. Uh, on the, on the uh, C64, and he plays some stuff that I've never seen before. And I will say one thing about the C64. This is a newsflash, boat. Get your pencil and pen. This thing can crank out the tunes, brother. Oh, yeah. And the oh, game, yeah. after the tunes are so good, the game is sort of, who cares? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, which, that is sort of the well, mantra of some of the C64 games. Yeah, absolutely. But that, this is good stuff. 
uh, it's in true Tim fashion. It starts off with the the uh, always popular technical difficulties, but what? But <laughs> this time it didn't take that long. He's in fact, everyone in the chat room was like, "Yep, there." It's not one of your shows, but I, you know, everyone has that happen on stream all every time. Every we time. have it happen every, every time. time we turn on a microphone I mean, or camera. Except for us, we we never have to. Oh yeah, but everybody yeah. else is. Yeah, right. This is good stuff. Uh, I, you know, I like I like the Pixel Gaten guys. They just released a new episode. They release it, I think, it's every first and fifteenth. So I'm I'm going through their uh, show from the other, from a couple of days ago right now. Uh, but I think it's great that they're uh, that they're uh, putting stuff out. So check this out. C64 action, good stuff. And I think boat. That's all I've got here. Now you've got something to talk about. What do you got? Yeah, so we we recorded the uh, the newest edition of this week in retro was released uh, today. Uh, this is, uh, you know, Neil, RMC Retro, and me. We do a, a weekly show that cover uh, basically, you know, what we think are the, the biggest stories in the retro scene. So, Aaron, we talked about uh, Zelda turning 35. Zelda, I know one of your favorite, most favorite franchises of all time. Oh, yeah. Turning 35. Uh, and uh, we talked about the, uh, you know, the retro computer museums opening back up, uh, like we talked about earlier in the show. Uh, and one and a big store closing down Fry's. Now you never went to a Fry's Electronics, did you? I have been to a Fry's. I actually have. Uh, really? I, 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 I'm trying to think of where I was at. It was on a. It was. I don't know. I mean, I, I went to one one time, and it was on a vacation mm-hmm. somewhere. So, because they, okay. they don't have them anywhere near here. No, they're mo- they're. I think that the 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 one furthest west is actually in like Las Vegas yeah. or something. That's their their easternmost location. That may have been because so. that may have been on my vacations when I went. Right, right. So anyway, they, these stores were huge. Uh, they were very famous as being, you know, the ultimate electronic stores for people on the West Coast. And they had these crazy facades. You know, one looked like a Mayan temple. One looked like a giant UFO crashed on yeah, the side of that's it. that's pretty cool. So um, these these stores, much like many brick-and-mortar stores, are closing their doors permanently. Uh, sort, of, sort of sad, but sort of not, because I guess they had a lot of other problems. Uh, but... You know, it's just it's a, it's the end of an era. It's the end yeah. of an era. Um, and then finally, we talked about there's a guy. Get this, Aaron. You can solder on there. There are these SA1 chips that are in certain Super Nintendo games, and you can actually solder chips, different chips, onto these Super Nintendo games to make them run faster. Yeah. You can see uh, the original version of the game we're watching. This is a race driving for the SNES. Uh, it's a choppy mess uh, on the left, and it runs super, super smooth on the right. And the thing that's cool about it is that it increases the frame rate without increasing the overall speed of the game. So the game is still very playable. Um, now, am I going to open up a bunch of my Super Nintendo cartridges to solder new chips onto them? Well, I can't even like plug in a monitor. So uh, right. that, you know the answer to that question. But uh, what we're hoping for, Neil actually thought of this suggestion, is a multi-cart with one of these SA chips put in it, and then you just t- put in an SD card and load your games, and then it's running from that, that, that new chip. Had you heard about this? I did. In fact, someone in Discord popped this up. And, you know, listen, by the way, it's funny, hard driving and race driving, they're the red-headed stepchild of the consoles and computers because they always suck at all those. Yeah. You know, and, and have I own a hard drive, and it's much more fun to play in real life. Uh, as long as it's working. I don't know. This is, I mean, this is neat. Don't get me wrong, but it's not something that I didn't, because if you're going to go to all the trouble of uh, uh, of modding your cartridge to play this stuff, I mean, just, 
just go to an emulator, man. I mean, because at that point, you're not even playing the original thing anyway. You're, you know, when you're doing that, what are we doing here? You know, it's, and listen, if, if that's your bag, or if you got, uh, probably most of the cartridges you got sitting around, they're not worth anything. You want to put a chip in them. If you've got a bunch of those chips, it's kind of neat. I mean, if they're, if they're games you really are into, and you have a Super Nintendo, an original one, yeah, you know, cool. I think it's a neat. It's neat that a guy figured it out. So it was interesting to me. I will say they did. A, it made a world of difference on race driving. I mean, the original. I don't know how they released it. It was so bad, horrible mm-hmm. boat, horrible. Yeah. So at any rate, uh, if you're interested in checking out uh, mine and Neil's thoughts about the hottest stories in uh, the retro tech world, uh, go on over to our YouTube channel. It's just this week in retro. Or you can subscribe to our podcast. You can find it in any podcatcher. Yeah. I think that's all we got there, Boaster. We have some new high score action going on. Um, well, the uh, vaccine challenge has ended. Uh, the vaccine challenge, not our best attended uh, high score challenge of all time. Vaccine is sort of a weird game. Sort of esoteric, not really easy to understand. Uh, Z9K9 ended up winning that. He is uh, He's probably the best person in the world that, of, 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 of vaccine. He, he trounced everyone else. And so he got to pick a <laughs> well game, uh, more, more of the classic variety. He chose IK+. This thing is sure to be uh, uh, have have some more competition in here. Who doesn't love international karate? So uh, jump on in if you uh, support uh, Amigos or any of the shows on the Amigos Retro Gaming Network, uh, you have access to our Discord server. You can jump in and post your high score over there uh, for IK+. I know I'm going to be doing that this weekend. And the challenge for um, TLL on the ZX Spectrum is still hot and heavy as well. So you can jump on in there and post your high score right now. You guessed it, Aaron. Z9K9 reigning supreme in there. He's sort of he sort of dominates wherever he goes. That's yeah. sort of his thing. He's killing it. He's killing it. That vaccine yeah. is a weird one, Boat. It is. Yeah. It is. All right, Aaron. That's going to do it for the uh, community updates this week. But it's time to thank all of the fine folks that make this show possible. Okay? And the first person that we want to thank is a guy that had a birthday this week, Aaron. We want to wish a very, very happy birthday to the one and only master moderator, video producer to the stars, Duncan Styles. Oh, yes, the Dunk. How the old dunk. is the Dunk? Do we know? Yeah, uncertain. Uh, he's like Josh Agabor. You know, <laughs> he, he keeps that kind of thing under the hat. He's very much like Josh Agabor, now that you mention it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, happy birthday, Duncan. Uh, we're sorry that, uh, you know, everything's still locked down in the UK. Probably didn't get to spend it with all your buddies like you want to, but, uh, but you know, we're thinking about you, and we wish you all the best. Um, we also want to thank Simulant uh, for choosing, uh, for suggesting Captain Planet to the AGSC, the Amigos Game Selection Committee, and uh, we thank them for voting on that. This past week was Platform Week, so thank you to you guys. And the fine, fine folks that watch us on Twitch, Aaron, uh, you can subscribe to uh, our channel on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Amigos Retro Gaming. We record this show live every Friday around 5 o'clock, usually we record for 5 or 10 minutes, then shut everything down, you know, and, and have to switch to my to my phone because my Internet's gone out. There's never any um, doubt and, that we filmed this live. That can never be in question because you yeah. cannot plan a show like today's. There's, it's impossible <laughs> to do. And so we want to thank all the fine folks that, that do subscribe to us on chat, including Omrom, 
The Crabs MPG, Eeyore 4077, Wide World of Retro, Pints and Amiga, Buck Owens, Great Algae, Lamasta, Mitsuyama, Jigglebox, Rob O'Hara, Gary Heather, Uber Scuba Diver, Knight Rider 82, Frodo NL, Christian Russell, Memories of a Spectrum Gamer, Piplo, Captain Chaos DK, Jost 80, Macintosh Librarian, John Marshall 3, Bigfoot's Armpits, Retro Jerry, and Negsol. Thank you guys so much for supporting Amigos Thank Retro you. Gaming on Twitch. Now, Aaron, last week, the Patreon song. This one was popular. This one was very popular. Not with me, it wasn't. The first entry that came in, right like a, like a bullet, and like a like a douche in the middle of the night. What's the line? It's not that. Uh, the uh, although I Rob, think that is Black appropriate. Opera writes, "That's not. Uh, let it be. That's not my guess. That's a review." <laughs> Bam. Well said, Rob. And then You're he right. said, "Just kidding. Never stop singing." What? He loves it. He Rob, loves you it. idiot. Why did you have to? We keep also going? Uh, we also want to congratulate Pixels at Dawn, Frodo and L, Hermsky, Barkbit, the Slow Norris, Chris Folds, Lever Lord, Pack Billy, Eric Nelson, Bernard Lucas, Andrew Craig, Edvin Helen, and Zord Love for uh, for getting that correct. Yes, Big Let win. It Be by the Beatles was last week's Patreon song challenge. What well, could have got you know we had a lot of winners and it could have been because some people told everyone what the song was. So don't <laughs> don't reveal the name of the song yeah. if you're in tw- if yeah. you're in chat. So yeah, if you're in the chat right now, keep that to yourself. Email me at john at amigospodcast.com with the correct answer, and I will announce you as a winner on next week's episode. Now, Aaron, hit the music. I, I, hold on a second here. No, I'm not going to hit the music for a second. I'm okay. just going to. I had the misfortune of already seeing what you're about to see. Okay, <laughs> so listen, I am. Moving myself away from John Bodefkart Schaller for this for the following special performance. All right, I am not involved, and I don't condone it. There, you you have been warned. <laughs> this one's for you, Aaron. Oh. oh, oh. Oh, David Z, George Rosansky, The Amiga Show, Daniel Crabtree, Super Family King, Crazy Loomis, William Venter, Scar, Heavy Systems, Inc., Rudy Frag, Lord Mark Byland, Hola, oh, Rumsky Jonah, a.k.a. Simulant Alien Breeder, Dave Velociraptor, Cowbird Boy Lane Dinson, Luke Hudson, John Cook on the base, Proto in O'Sullenzizer Tech Mage Jurgen, Mr. Cola Daniel Williams, Bernard Lucas, Jerry Dennington, Zorg Love Riff Mection, Simon Ledge, Captain Crispy, Killer Bites and Caffeine, Gary Heather, Free Lunch, Kate Fox, David Pickford, Cameron Armstrong, Andy Jones, Love Terminator, Ten Minute and Amiga Retro, Kimmich, Bernard Quinn, RMC, Tim Drew, Simon Rose, Joseph Harrison, Kyle Letter, Robo Hera, 
Matthew Larimore, Andy Craig, Sean Sobark, Bit Wollenberg, Andrew Monks, Joe the Zombie. Leif Kellan, Alan Kebab, Check Go to Level O, John Marshall, Matthew Perron, Ricky DeRoe, oh sure. Creepy Dead Boy, Piggy CT, The Slow, Nor Stefan, Sorgard Mortensen, Edvin, Helen, Glenndo 75, Christopher Hassel, Ravi Abbott, Chris Foles, Lauren Giroux, Graham Vebkey, Adam Pattersby, O'Brien's Retro, and Vintage Gary Hucker, Paul Harrington, Duncan Stiles, Tapes from the Crib, Josh Nett, Adam Bradley, Jonas Rulo, THG, Eric Nelson, Kim Tommy, Humbert Stack, Daniel Bingston, Brutal Barracuda, Darren Coles, Jason's Warns, Pixels at Dawn, and Kjolbjorn Barman. My God. I mean, uh, that's amongst the worst things I've ever heard. I don't mean from you. I mean, and I, I keep in mind that I worked beside something as loud as a jet engine for a decade. And I would gladly, I would walk up and hug the jet before I'd sit through that again. Just appalling. Now, Aaron, next week on Amigos, we are going to be, it's strategy week on Amigos, our favorite week. Um, and uh, we're getting a double helping of strategy this oh. time around because of your pick of uh, colonization a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So we're going to be playing Populous 2. Well, I didn't like the first one, so I'm in trouble. <laughs> I, yeah, I think I own this game, ironically. So... Oh man, it's funny because I just watched Kim, uh, Kim Justice's uh, 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 full movie st movie sized documentary on uh, what's his name Peter Molyneux. Peter Molyneux. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it's great. I double thumbs up for that. So, I'll but I'm, I'm well, re I'm ready to Her rock stuff and roll. Is, is top notch. Yeah, top notch. Oh man. Okay, um, I'll do it. So. But before we go, we do want to say a special hello to all the people that are watching us live in chat right now. Uh, I know that lots of people stay up way past their bedtimes over there across the pond to uh, to watch Amigos each weekend. We, we want to call them out and say hello. Call them out. And this is what we've presented them today. Just one, <laughs> one disaster after another. I topped off with your so, song. We want to start with uh, our moderators, Duncan Styles and Pixels at Dawn Gaming. Thank you guys so much for being here all the time. We really appreciate it. And Tenmark, Abbott Costello, Amiga Live is here. Amiga Live and Amiga Love. <laughs> I was wow. Tenmark, Abbott and Costello, and I thought that works. I can see he's he's the third <laughs> member. <laughs> yeah. Arctic Cube is here. Uh, Awkward Aardvark, Barkbit. Uh, Bitstorm, Brock101, Chronosnet, Co Brian, Commander Root, Cyberjohn's here, and Delamort, Droop Dog, of course, Edvin Helen, live from the Man Cave, pouring up some brewskis, Eeyore4077, probably not pouring up some brewskis, mm -hmm. Frodo NL, Great Owl G, Gunner Warhorse, Hermski is here, Ian's here, uh, we got JK, DK, Kasserin, L. Curtis Boyle, all hail. Uh, we got Mitsuyama, Nikhil88, Olav Hope, Picard2010, R-Typer, RetroJerry, RetroRewind.ca, RetroFox, uh, Ricky DeRocher, RMC Retro, 
Rubber Slayer, Skior Mjorn, Super Cruiser, Super Tech Boy, Tom Toms, VMK, Bigger Up Pros, Wishbone, Worlds of Rogue, and Z9K9. Thank you guys so much for uh, for hanging out with and us this evening. It's always us. a good time. Yeah. Thank you, guys. A long-suffering right, boat. We're going to close this bad boy out. We'll see you guys next week for another edition of Amigos, where we talk about Populous 2. Until then, adios. adios.